This is an AMI podcast. We are at the Durham Region 2023 Ontario Parasport Games, just east of Toronto. Now, these games run February 3rd to February 5th. I'm Mike Ross here for AMI-audio. Going from venue to venue throughout Durham Region today, meeting some of the athletes and the organizers of these games. And yesterday, on Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv, Alex Smythe caught up with one of the organizers of the event to give us an overview of all the games happening. Here's part of that chat with Don Terry. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I am joined by Don Terry, who is the co-chair of the Durham Region 2023 Ontario Parasport Games. Hopefully I got that title complete. You nailed it. That was awesome. Perfect. So Don, can you tell us a bit more about what is happening this weekend in terms of the Ontario Parasport Games? What can people expect? How many athletes are going to be here? Things like that. Yeah, we're looking at over 300 athletes coming from across the province. I think the farthest way is Thunder Bay. Um, they're coming here to compete in 11 different uh, para sports. And we also have four demo sports that we're hoping to grow in the region following the games. So it's a, it's a great number of people that are coming that have to be accommodated and fed and transported from event to event. So it's a lot of work, but it's it's uh, it's so rewarding to, to see them compete with such uh, competitive competitiveness, but also such great passion as well. Now, you mentioned uh, the demo sports and the uh, the actual competitive sports. What sports are being played this weekend? Can you and then elaborate on the demo sports? Sure. There's 11 different sports that are being played. And let's see. This is a good test for me, right? Uh, we'll start with uh, wheelchair tennis is being played. We have uh, uh, boccia. We have sitting volleyball, sledge hockey. We have uh, five-a-side or blind soccer. We have visually impaired and wheelchair curling. We have uh, para-alpine and para-equestrian and, oh, boccia. Or no, not boccia, sorry, uh, goalball. Uh, I think I, I think that's all of them. And then the four demo sports we're really excited about. One is uh, power hockey, uh, which is a, a new program that we'll be piloting in Durham Region uh, following the games, which is part of our objective with all of our demo sports is that people will actually be able to play them. The other one we're excited about is para-equestrian. It's being held up at Windreach Farm in, in North Whitby, and it's such an appropriate place because Sandy Mitchell, the founder of that uh, uh, working farm that's fully accessible, uh, is a three-time Paralympian in paradressage. So that's a really cool. And then we have floor curling here at the Ability Centre, which is just like regular curling, except there's no ice. Um, and then the the last thing that we have here also, which is really cool uh, with one of our partners, uh, Aspire Climbing, is actually paraclimbing or adaptive climbing. Um, and they're completely certified. So we're inviting all the athletes to come and try this new sport. And can you talk a bit about the accessibility uh, features of all these different venues? You kind of touched on a few of them, but, you know, the Ability Centre where we are currently, it's it's remarkable. So can you just kind of expand on it, what people and athletes can expect in terms of the accessibility features during this weekend? Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're really fortunate in Durham that uh, all of our venues are accessible. We had to make one, we have to make one modification for curling because, of course, curling... Uh, Facilities were all built in the 60s, and they're built to keep the 
uh, warm area up and away from the ice. So although there is a lift there, it's not sufficiently fast enough for us to get all of our wheelchair curlers down to the ice. So we bring in a temporary ramp. But all of our other facilities are completely accessible. We're really excited following the 2019 games when we hosted. We actually modified one of the rinks here in Whitby at Iroquois Park. So it's now completely accessible for sledge hockey. We got rid of the wooden boards, put in uh, see-through boards, widened the entrances, lowered them, um, got removable benches. Um, so that players can leave the ice between shifts, which is not something they're able to do at most arenas. And we did the penalty boxes too. Well, those, those are important. You know, there's going to be some penalties in, in uh, para ice hockey, but that's remarkable to hear is just all the work that's gone in to make these venues accessible so you can hold and host these games more regularly. But can you talk a bit about the logistics that go into it? Because you're hosting games and uh, uh, sports at a number of venues. What is the logistics and the planning that has to go into to organize the Ontario Parasport Games? Yeah, well, it takes us over a year to get to get ready. Uh, we have uh, 26 people on our games organizing committee. Um, for for some of us, it's essentially become a full time volunteer gig for you know the last six months. Um, you know, we have to uh, we have to find hotels. We have to find hotels that have accessible rooms. Um, We have to provide all the meals and meet everybody's dietary needs. Uh, We have to get them to and from um, their events, from the hotel to the event, which requires special transportation. And Durham Region Transit has been fantastic in supporting us with that. So it's a lot of work. But, um, you know, when you see the athletes out there competing and you see the smiles on their face, even though they're fiercely competing, Um, that's what makes it all worthwhile. That was Don Terry of the Durham Region 2023 Ontario Parasport Games with Alex Smythe on Now with Dave Brown on Friday on AMI-tv. So my guest now is someone who's pretty familiar to anybody who follows AMI-audio or AMI-tv. You've you've seen him, you've heard him over the years. Uh, James Titmarsh is here. James, welcome, and tell us exactly what you're doing as part of this event. Thanks, Mike. Um, My role this weekend is sport technical chair. So I'm running all sports through the Durham Parasport Games. So that includes sledge hockey, wheelchair basketball, wheelchair curling, visual impaired curling, boccia, sitting volleyball, and way more than I could even think of, and a few demo sports as well. So we have para equestrian, power chair hockey, and a few others, which we're really excited about. What's kind of neat about this event, from from my standpoint, is seeing you here again because these games have been here before. You've been involved with them before. Yeah, we're super excited. So 2019 was an awesome event, and we're already saying 2023 is going to be even better, and we are so happy to be hosting once again. So how has your role changed from the last time to this time, and what did, what did you take away from 2019 that's been beneficial to you this time around? So in 2019, I was the sport manager for sledge hockey, so I helped run everything out of Airqua Park. This time around, I've been running, kind of been involved in every sport with the PSOs, with the, the, the setup meetings, the technical meetings. So that gave me a perspective of how all the other sports in Ontario and across Canada have been doing, how their athletes have been getting prepared, how they're getting ready for the uh, Ontario Winter Games, but also a perspective of, you know, we have a wheelchair basketball team here getting ready for the Canada Games. We have sledge hockey players getting ready for, you know, what may be playing for Team Ontario later on or possibly playing in the Paralympics. Like, they're super excited, so we get to see that perspective of all sports this time around. 
from your standpoint, how do you prepare for an event like this? I mean, what, what, what do you need, uh, you know, in your background, in your, in your experience, in your training, in order to walk into a role like this and pull it off seamlessly? Um, experience helps. But I think mostly it's the volunteer support that we've received. We have over 300 volunteers at this event. And the games committee, the organizing committee, their uh, support and their experience has helped really lift up these games. And we rely on the ministry, we rely on the games committee, but we also rely on the PSOs and their knowledge of each sport to know what we need to be prepared so that when this weekend happens, the athletes come in like it's the next Paralympics or the next uh, games, and they're just they're ready to compete, and there's nothing else they have to worry about. All right. Now we've handled the business side of things. Let's talk some sledge hockey um, because there has been so much growth of Paris ice hockey right across the board. But the first thing I want to ask about is the adaptive boards and the adaptive uh, uh, venues that we're seeing pop up all over the place. Um, Got to experience it the first time when I was here in 2019 with you, uh, trying para ice hockey. And you see, he's laughing already because he remembers the difficulty I had simply getting into the sled. Never mind playing the game, just getting into the sled. I I was like exhausted, and you you guys all had a good chuckle, and 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 rightly so. Um, but it was pretty amazing to see how. Uh, arenas all over the country are starting to sort of pick up on building adaptive surfaces. So that's a really great point. So Airqua, with the legacy funds from 2019, redid our pad three at Airqua Park. And so we have adaptive boards with plexiglass where the players can see to onto the ice and the fiberglass at the bottom so they can skate on and off the benches. But an even better and an even more exciting feature is in 2025 in Brooklyn there's going to be a brand new facility with all the ice pads will all be accessible which means you can skate from the dressing room to the ice the benches will be removed the boards will be see-through and you know from my experience as being on the Steelhawks and with sledge hockey we've never had that much accessibility and that much that much excitement building um, since 1997 when we got our first ice time at Iroquois Park. So I know my players are excited. We're growing our sport. We're at, we have the most athletes in sledge hockey at the Parasport Games. We have over 100, I think it's 108 athletes participating, five teams. That's the biggest sport for these set of games. And we could have got more. We could have grown even more. And I think that's what we're going to build for towards the next Parasport Games. Really appreciate you taking some time here this morning, and uh, congratulations on the game so far, and all the best for the rest of the weekend. Thanks so much. We're really excited and hope to see everyone out. James Titmarsh at the Durham Region 2023 Ontario Parasport Games. My next guest, very familiar voice to anyone who is a viewer or listener to AMI-TV or AMI-audio, Ramya Amuthan is here. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I love the fact that now, for I think probably one of the first times, I get to turn the tables on you and ask you the questions. So uh, you are here today uh, not as a host or a reporter, but as a participant, an athlete, and you're playing what sport? Five-a-side soccer, also known as blind soccer. Okay, so five-a-side soccer. Um, 
I, I don't, I'm not even going to try and explain what it is. I'm going to leave that to, to you. You're the pro, you play it. So explain to us some of the intricacies, the ins and outs of how it's played, who plays it, and you know, how does it resemble or how does it differ from what people would consider you know, soccer that they just watch at the World Cup. So it most resembles futsal. So if you have any idea of how futsal is played or how it takes place, that would be the closest thing to five-a-side soccer. Um, it's simply because it's a smaller ball, a smaller field, etc. But essentially, it's five people per team, one of them being the goalkeeper. Everyone wears eye shades, and we use a ball that rattles. So the rattling is the uh, sound that we follow for the ball. And four out of five of us on their team are eye shades, um, completely blind, blindfolded, whatever you want to refer to it as. The goalkeeper is sighted, and other vocal indicators that we follow throughout the game because everyone's eye shaded is the coach on the sidelines as well as a guide so every team has a guide behind the opposite goal and they can talk to us as well now there's you know other rules to it like uh players say void to keep each other posted on where they are to make sure that people aren't bumping into each other high injury prone sport as you can imagine so the more vocal the better and um if following instructions from the guides and the coaches and our goalkeepers how did you come to play this sport? Ironically, we were doing a segment on Kelly and Company where blind soccer was being promoted. And I thought, that sounds kind of fun. I Before this, I barely took part in any sports. I, I really enjoy physical activity, but uh, team sports especially was just never a thing for me in my life. And when blind soccer came up, I was like, that's a thing? All right, sounds good. So I tried it out. I got on a phone call, and sadly, that was during the pandemic. So we didn't actually get to play for a year. We just talked about playing. And then... Um, in 2020 we actually got out during the summer and started playing uh, blind soccer outdoors in Pickering and it was it really just basically never turned back since so I mean what's it been like for you to to play a sport you, you say you know sports didn't play a big part in your life mm -hmm. and here you are playing in some uh, some huge games I mean these, this is a big weekend for para sports across the province so uh, what has sport come to mean to you it's come to mean a lot. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. It's very emotional for me, very sentimental. Being here, taking part in any competition at all, just being able to say that I play soccer, that I have a team that we practice with uh, pretty regularly, you know, weekly in Durham region, it, it means the world to me because, as I said, I didn't grow up playing sports. I felt very isolated from sport. And, you know, the first few years even working at AMI, I was like, sports, psh, you know. But, <laughs> and, and really, just dismissed it but all of that came from not being able to participate and not being accommodated growing up so this is one of the first times that I feel uh, included in sport like that and it's a huge deal what kind of a competitor are you on the field are you you know obviously you're playing a team sport you got to be a team player but you know everybody can people can have a bit of an edge to them when they play certain sports and you said yourself there's a little bit of contact in here so sure. do you have pointy elbows i mean do you, do you like to mix it up uh, pointy elbows no but i do like i'm not a great midfielder but i i like running around i like taking advantage of the entire um pitch and i play defense best but i would say that i can i can i can outrun people on the field yeah <laughs> okay so 
you know, for someone who um, you know wasn't really into sports, now you're into sports, and you just called it the pitch. So I think you've come like a full 180, yeah, and you're, yeah. you're you're a sport. You're an athlete now. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's actually still very new to me when people say athlete. I'm like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ravia, thank you for stopping by here, and good luck. I mean, this is pretty exciting, and it's exciting for Durham Region to to uh, have you guys here, and have you for you and your you know teammates playing so close to home must be really cool. Oh, it's amazing. And to be honest, even though it's close to home, I'm very Toronto-centric. So being in Durham, getting to know uh, Woodby and Ajax and Oshawa and Pickering is kind of awesome. They're getting so much clout, and I'm, I'm very happy that AMI is covering. It's only like 25 minutes from Toronto. <laughs> I know, like, still, Okay, yeah. Still. Still, okay. <laughs> Good luck. Thank you. Welcome back. We're at the Durham Region 2023 Ontario Parasport Games. We're just east of Toronto right now at the Ability Centre in Whitby. And these games run from February 3rd to the 5th. I'm Mike Ross here on AMI-audio going from venue to venue, talking to some of the athletes and organizers at the event. And I want to welcome in Joe Millage, one of the coaches, one of the organizers. I mean, honestly, Joe, when I read up about you, um, it feels like you've got a, a, a business card that would have to be put in the back of a dump truck. It's so big. You're, you've had so many roles over the years. So let me start by saying thanks for being here. It's, it's great to have you here. Um, can you tell me a, and the audience a little bit about your resume and, and the various roles, basically, that have led you to be here today? I'm a facilitator. I'm a multi-sport coach who has... Well, I guess I guess to just talk about the diversity of what I've coached includes everything from working with the Oshawa Generals to coaching the University of Toronto rugby team, wrestling team, uh, coaching junior lacrosse and other things. And parasport basically is just another sport. You're just looking at how people move, how they compete, and then you're trying to optimize their performance. So for the last 40 years, um, I have been involved in sports from, you know, adaptive track or wheelchair basketball, and now I'm trying to help the Ontario Volleyball Association grow the sport of sitting volleyball. So I've coached youth baseball for 30 years, and I find that with any anybody who gets into coaching, there's, there's something that draws you to want to coach and to stick with it for many, many years. But I find with parasports, it takes a particular type of coach um, and, and it's something that keeps them coming back. So for you and your involvement through Parasports, what is it about Parasports that keeps you coming back? Um, my personal mission in life is to optimize performance in a number of areas. And when you're dealing with athletes with different abilities, it challenges me to look at things differently, challenge them differently, and help them rise to where they want to be. So in sitting volleyball, most of the national team athletes are amputees. So for them, after an injury or an illness, if they've lost a leg to cancer, if they've lost it to a motorcycle accident, or it's funny, um, seven people in the program lost limbs getting hit by a propeller, which number kind of shocked me. And People in Ontario spending a lot of time in boats, got to be careful. But after those kinds of traumatic injuries, it's almost like you go through physical literacy again. So you learn to move again with the body that you now have. Spinal cord injuries, uh, brain injuries, all these things relate. So as a coach, I get challenged to a new level, and it's exciting. And then when you help athletes achieve what for them is the extraordinary the successes come pretty frequently and 
it's always about turning the athlete's passion into performance. I read about uh, athletes who've uh, been coached by you, been mentored by you, um, and specifically in parasports, as many as 50-plus Paralympic medalists or medals have been won by athletes who uh, say that they attribute a lot of it to what I'm calling the Joe Millage effect, is having been involved with you, um, a lot of these athletes have had tremendous success when you talk about Paralympic medals coming back to Canada. What's that meant to you? What's, what do you attribute that to? It's all on them. It's their medal. It's their effort. It's their focus. Um, the ability to stick to things as you work on it. Uh, like I said, I'm the facilitator. I find them facilities. I, I help them find programs. If I'm not the right coach for them, I will find the right coach when it comes to, you know, um, two of our sitting volleyball players happen to be hemiplegics, which means that one side of their body is far weaker than the other side. Um, both, both of them were impacted by cerebral palsy, which was lack of oxygen, caused by lack of oxygen at birth. So in challenging them, the program I've helped design for them could be applied to anybody in their situation, but the fact is they're the ones who get up five or six days a week and do it. They go through it. I mean, when I coached with the Oshawa Generals, we had the, we set a record that year for the most players ever drafted into the NHL. Ten in one year, and we had three other players who were already owned by NHL teams. But Nathan Parrott, John Tripp, Ian McNeil, Mark Savard were all on that team. Um, and it was them. It, you know, all what you did, you hung the carrot in front of them. And if they're willing to put in the work and go get it, they reap the rewards. And it's exactly the same with para-athletes. I mean, um, Jeff Adams was the best wheelchair track athlete in the world for a number of years. Um, he, when I coached him, he was had phenomenal potential so we had to find a track coach who could take him to where to to the best he could be you know and there's so many great coaches out there i've talked about amanda fader but there was also faye blackwood there's there's tons kenny halls around with throwers who javelin shot put discus who thinks of athletes with disabilities doing those things so with your listeners especially those with any kind of special need. And it doesn't matter whether they want to get involved in golf or whether they want to get involved in curling or any of the other sport, anything. Can you, what do they want to do? And then let's go find the right people to, to help you get there. Really appreciate you taking the time and uh, congratulations on the success you've had in coaching, but also in the help that you've given athletes to achieve a lot of their goals and uh, continued success. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I'll, I appreciate it, but the truth is a coach never wins a game. It's always the athletes. So uh, it's fun, and uh, we're getting into the medal games this afternoon with sitting volleyball, and it's going to be really cool to see who comes out on top. Appreciate it. Thank you. Happy to welcome now to our uh, channel the accomplished wheelchair and Paralympic medalist, the Beijing Games of 2022, John Thurston. John, thanks very much for joining me here today. Great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. It's uh, it's great to, to have AMI coverage and uh, really excited to be here in Durham region for the 2023 uh, Parasport Games. So you're doing some curling here today. We're at the Oshawa Curling Club. And uh, I want to just talk to you first about 
the importance of sport to you and you know before your accident after your accident just the important the importance of sport in your life yeah i mean sports just uh it's been a incredible piece part of my life my whole life but especially after my injury it was something that really uh gave me a goal gave me gave me something to pursue to continue uh to get better and and set my mind to um, and just met so many great people through it, learned so much from, from others that were in wheelchairs. And, uh, and then, yeah, I just found curling and fell in love with the sport. It's just, uh, it's just chess on ice, really love it, and uh, demands a, a high level of focus. And, and uh, yeah, truly love, truly love sport of all kind, but curling in particular. I'm going to read off a list here, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of these, but curling, water skiing, archery, boxing, jiu-jitsu. Anything else that you do? That you, well, is there anything you don't do? Mountain biking is, uh, is a new one I added a couple of years ago. It's, uh, it's been so much fun. Uh, met a few, uh, few guys through that. I had a friend, got a mountain bike first, tried his, and, and loved it. But, yeah, curling and water skiing, kind of my main sports. Um, on the national team of both uh and uh yeah it's just water skiing's uh they're they're a bit of two different sports one's an adrenaline sport one's more of a uh just high level focus kind of um um sport but uh love them both they're uh i got a summer and a winter sport so it's a nice balance there and uh and then the boxing and jujitsu just do with uh we have a trainer and another friend in a wheelchair and just kind of it's a great way to you know, fun way to do fitness. So good boxing, and and I love uh, with with both of them working on combos and you know the the strategy that comes with that, and with the jujitsu too, like trying to learn uh, submissions and stuff like that. It's it's pretty neat. I've talked to a lot of wheelchair athletes who, before they were in a wheelchair, may have played another sport, and then jumped into the adaptive version of that sport. So is there anything that you are, any sport you're involved in now that you were playing before your, uh, your accident? And take me back to that first wheelchair sport you played and what that was like for you. Yeah, good question. Uh, I'd probably say not really. Like I was, I was more uh, snowboarding, played pickup hockey. Um, I'm not much of a, a sledge hockey. Like I've tried it, just don't have the core ability and the stability for uh, for definitely to get the stick handling down. Um, and uh, haven't tried snow skiing or that. I, I I stuck with the water so far. It seems a little more forgiving on the body. Um, but yeah, when I tried curling for the first time in 2012, um, it's kind of really the first sport I dug into, um, and I liked it. And then uh, I, I ended up uh, joining a competitive curling team. Uh, we won prov- provincials the first year, and I was just hooked from there. Like the people I met, and and the sport, and just the thrill, what the you know the smile that it put on my face. So I was kind of hooked from there. You're mostly a local guy, just north of here. Um, how meaningful, and what does it mean for you, for other athletes that are from Durham Region, to have these games here, not somewhere else in the province, but right here at home? Yeah, I think it's incredible. Um, personally, for myself, um, it's so close. Like I, I typically compete, um, not always in province uh, or Canada, for that matter, but. 
um, you know, my, my friends and family are within an hour and they can actually come see me. So um, I should have quite a few friends and family that are able to come watch us this uh, weekend. And, and that means the world to me because uh, they've been so supportive of, of me and my career and curling so far. And, um, yeah, I really appreciate it. And it's, it's nice to highlight this region. I think it's, uh, I think it's uh, they've done a really great job. We had an amazing opening ceremonies last night. And um, it's nice to be back at the Oshawa Curling Club. Finally, for young people in wheelchair situations where it might be something new to them, a new situation for them, introducing them to sports. And sometimes it's, it's a bit of an obstacle. Sometimes they, they, they see it as a big challenge. They see it as something that they, they, a situation that they fear. What's your message to those athletes that may not think that they still have room for sports in their lives after situations similar to yours or different, but they find themselves now thinking, maybe maybe I'm done with sports. Maybe there's, there's nothing out there for me. What's your message to those young people? I think it's get out there and try as many sports as you can. Like, um, you know, it, it might be uh, you play, if it's a sport you've played prior injury, um, you might have to play it in a different way or have adaptive equipment, or you might find a new sport that, you're, that you really fall in love with. But I think, I think, you know, just trying different sports, you'll find out what you like, but you also get to meet so many different people, and that's where I really grew, like meeting other people that have been in chairs much longer than me, and learning from them, like, you know, what their life looks like um, after their injury and, and kind of the, the growth that they've had. So I think it's both socially and then just the, the pure fun of sport uh, and challenge of sport. Um, I think it's amazing. So I just encourage to try, try as many sports as you can. John, thank you for today. Enjoy the rest of the weekend and all the best as uh, 2023 rolls on for you. Yeah, I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks so much. Joining me now is Michael Frogley, a name synonymous with wheelchair basketball. It's great to have you here. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. So I want to talk to you about your your playing days because before your accident, you were a basketball player and you have an accident, you continue to be a basketball player, but in a different way. I wonder about the, the, the impact that that had on you, you know, as an athlete, as, as a young person, and how you make that pivot, that adjustment, and, and, and what that change was like for you. So yeah, I, um, I was a I was a basketball player growing up. I was your classic gym rat. I, I was the first one in the gym, and, and you know, in the morning, and I was the one that the janitor kicked out and turned the lights off on, you know, at night. And then I had my car accident, and I I can vividly remember, you know, as I was kind of navigating that and figuring that that piece out and learning, learning what life was going to be like. It was a couple months after my accident. I was in the rehab center in Ottawa one night and uh, one of the local club players, Eddie Kotrowski, came up, came wheeling into the room and he said, I heard you used to play basketball. You want to try wheelchair basketball? And I said, I'll, I'll try anything. I'm, I'm always game for anything. And so I went down and I, and I tried it in the rehab center that night and I was horrible. And I mean really bad. I, I couldn't make a basket. When I say I couldn't make a basket, I couldn't get the ball to touch the net. I was so horrible. And so I was immediately like, forget it. I don't, I don't want to do this. If I can't make a basket, I'm not going to do it. So maybe if I can't do it, maybe I'll coach. And so I called up my old high school coach, asked him if I could help out. And he said, I'll, I'll do one better. You can, you can coach the team. So I started coaching uh, my old high school team uh, while I was literally still in rehab. And uh, just being on the court every day with the athletes 
and having a basketball in my hands, it was like having an itch. You've got to scratch. And so about a year after I was, uh, I'd started coaching, I went back down to the old asphalt courts I grew up on and started playing. And, uh, and I started uh, with the Ottawa Royals, a, a local club team, and a couple of guys early on, they said, hey, Frog, you know, if you, if you really train hard, you, you could go to the Paralympics. And I hadn't even really thought about that, and I thought that would be really, that, I want to see how good I can be. And so, yeah, that, that was the beginning of that journey. Paralympics in 92 in Barcelona, and then you, you switched to coaching the national team. You, you play on it, you then, you're then coaching it. You coached it, uh, I think, from 96 to 2004. Um, having had that taste of the Paralympics and then switching to coaching a national team, was that a difficult transition uh, for you to, to be you know, sort of a full-time coach now and saying goodbye to your, your playing days at the national level? I think anybody who, who, who's a player and then goes into coaching, there's always a, a transition phase where you, you kind of wonder, mm, man, should I go back? Should I go forward? For me, in those moments, it was like, I, I don't second guess my decisions. I'm like, no, no, I chose to go forward. I go forward and I'm going to fully invest in it. And, and I'm, I'm really glad I, I, I did that. You know, um, one of the things I always tell people about coaching that I love and that I've always loved, is there's a moment when you're working with an athlete and they're probably struggling with a skill, with something. And they're not quite getting it, but, but you're working with them. And then there's a moment they get it. They're all of a sudden successful. They, they make their, a, a layup or a defensive rotation, whatever it is. And you can see in their eye in that moment, there's like a little sparkle, a little twinkle, a light. And it's, you can see what that, that light is saying, I did it. And behind that is a question. I wonder what else I can do as well. And those are the moments you get as a coach. And you get those as a player, but when you get it, when you're coaching, you get it for all 12 of the athletes on your team or however many are on your team. So it, it is multiplied. And, uh, and for me, that's, that's what really drove me and kept me coaching and not shifting back is because one, I, I don't second guess my decisions and two, I, I get to experience that with the athlete, and you get to experience that daily. I read you also coached uh, collegiate basketball um, in the U.S. I wonder, you know, if, if you take me back to those days, whether coaching in, in college, because I, I, I think back to covering sports back then, and, and it, I don't remember a lot of talk about parasports, period, but certainly not uh, wheelchair basketball. And, and if you go back even further to when you first were introduced to the game, I think back to those days, and I, I don't remember a lot of time. The, the only parasport I would hear about when I was younger was sledge hockey. Everybody seemed to know about sledge hockey, but nothing else. How much has the game either changed or grown since the days you were introduced to it to something like this weekend where we've got these games? Oh, the, the growth of the game has been absolutely phenomenal. I, I remember when I started playing, you know, the, the, the most you would do is you maybe practice once or twice a week uh, with your local club team, and then you'd go to a tryout for a national team and then off to the games. There wasn't really a lot. It wasn't really, really comprehensive. There wasn't really comprehensive training and preparation. And now, uh, you know, there are opportunities for 
you know, young athletes, juniors to go from playing for a, a junior team like we're going to see here this weekend with the Ontario juniors to go play for a, a college team in the U.S. Uh, if you are if you're with this national team, you're training year round, you're training five, six days a week. You know, you've you've got a, a head coach that's supervising all that training. You've got strength and conditioning, you've got nutrition, you've got mental preparation, all of those things. And there is the possibility you could even go play pro in Europe. And so there's the full gambit. Uh, of opportunity now in in wheelchair basketball and in, in Paralympic sport. It still has a long way to go. It's It's got so much potential because the neat thing about Paralympic sport, parasport overall, is that more people can do it. And I'll use wheelchair basketball as an example. If you're a person who you know, doesn't have a disability or an impairment, you can still get in a chair and play with your local club team. And you can play alongside people who maybe use a chair to ambulate or are a single blow knee amputee. And so it, it's a sport that allows more people to get involved. And, and the key thing there is it's a sport. First and foremost, it just happens that the piece of equipment you use is a wheelchair. Well, you know, for the growth of the game to where it is now, um, and as you say, there's still a long way to go, but events like these certainly help. People like you obviously help. So on behalf of athletes who have benefited from your experience, thank you. Thanks for uh, taking some time and talking to us here. And uh, I really hope you have a great weekend uh, and uh, continue to grow this sport right across the country. Oh, thanks very much. I, I, the reason why I do this is there was a whole generation that came before me that set the table. The way I say thank you to all those people, those mentors that helped me get to this point is by doing the same thing back and uh, helping the next generation move forward. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Michael Frogley at the Durham Region 2023 Ontario Parasport Games. Very happy to have Nico Yema here with us. Now, this is a voice at is going to be a little bit familiar if you are a regular AMI audio listener. You've heard Nico's voice used in promos on AMI audio in the past. He is the junior athlete of the year in 2021 for Parasport Ontario. And I'm told has a nickname, Iron Man. Now, Nico, you got to tell me first and foremost, where does the Iron Man nickname come from? Um... Always been a big fan of Iron Man, the Avengers, superheroes. So it just kind of fit in, you know, yeah. How do you like it? I mean, we never we always say in sports, like, you never want to pick your own nickname, right? It's got to be given to you. How do you feel about Iron Man? I do. I really like it. He's been my favorite superhero for a long time. So, yeah, I really like it. Awesome. We got your dad, Patrick, here as well. We're going to talk to him in uh, just a second. I need you to tell me a little bit about Baccia because I was watching you play uh, a little bit earlier today, and it's not maybe a sport that everybody's familiar with. So tell me a little bit about Baccia, how you play it, and how you enjoy it. Well, yeah, it's probably not familiar to everyone, but you throw out a white ball. And there's two teams, red and blue, six, uh, six balls each, so six red, six blue. And you throw the balls out to get closer to the white ball. The balls that are closer gets the point. 
So it's kind of like lawn bowling. If you know if some of the more senior folks out there would be familiar with lawn bowling, uh, but in boccia circles, it is boccia, right? It's not bocce ball. People say that wrong all the time, right? Yeah, it's uh, boccia. I a there's an I a at the end. It's not b o c c e. It's b o c c i a. There you go. Got it right from the horse's mouth. So everybody, be aware here. Um, I want to know how special it is for you to be playing in these games right here in Durham Region and, and having games like these uh, becoming more and more regular. So there's lots of good things about it. One would be it's at the Ability Center, which is where we practice at, um, Tuesday nights after school, so most weeks. So it's good to be here. It's a home court advantage, you know. So, it's also, yeah, it's also amazing to be around other athletes um, playing other sports and just be, having a have a facility like this nearby in Durham that is this successful has been uh, accessible for um, individuals like Nico has been fantastic. Patrick, I got to ask you, how competitive can Nico get? Right, I've, I've asked a few athletes here uh, through the weekend about about that. You know, what kind of an athlete are you out there on the court? How intense can Nico get in a game of boccia? I'm thinking. I think I'm the one that gets more uh, tense and uh, more gray hairs than uh, he does. Um, no, he he definitely once he gets on that court, he focuses on the game. He's very focused on what has to happen. Um, we prep before before the tournament, uh, watching videos and whatnot. So. Yeah, we definitely take it very seriously. And then afterwards, it's just great to be around the, the Boccia community, which has been phenomenal. Uh, it's been fantastic. And I saw that out there today. Like, we, you were in game mode, and there were no distractions. Uh, I was very impressed with that. But we got your dad here. Now, let, pretend he's not here. If you guys were to play a game of Boccia head-to-head, who wins that game, Nico? Um... Uh... Uh, I don't know. I feel like on one of my good days, I might have a chance. Although, he's, uh, dad's pretty good. He knows sports. He's been playing sports for a while. So, it'd be tight. (laughs) And what have you seen, Patrick, in Nico and his involvement in Boccia, and whether it be at a, from an athletic perspective or from a personal perspective, a social perspective, what's it meant as a father to watch him play and grow in this game? Oh, as a father, I'm super proud. Um, it's it's just been amazing to see uh, what he can do. I mean, we've been told that he wouldn't be able to play sports, and now he's playing at uh, Ontario level and playing national tournaments. So it's been it's been wonderful. It's been able to. He's been able to meet other individuals like himself uh, with similar interests, so he's built a whole new friendship. But even better is, you know, even at his high school at Eastdale, he's able to relate to other individuals because sports doesn't really matter if you're a para-athlete or an able-bodied athlete. Sports is is like a... I don't even know how to describe universal it. Universal language? It's a universal language. Thanks. That's exactly it. So it allows him to relate to other people and allows the other people to relate to him. So it's been wonderful. Well, listen, we've heard you on the airwaves before in our promos. Now we hear you in this interview. Thank you very much for doing it. Thank you for taking time to talk to us. And all the best for the rest of this weekend. Have a lot of fun. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. It was great meeting both of you. Thank you. Nico and his dad, Patrick, as we wrap up our coverage here today at the Durham Region 2023 Ontario Parasport Games. Thank you very much for checking in with us all day long. Big thanks to the organizers, the athletes, the coaches, the volunteers who have made it possible. Thanks to Sam Baba, who is our technician. Thank you to Andy Frank, who helped with the production of it as well. Thank you for listening. On behalf of AMI-audio, I'm Mike Ross. Have a great day.